Glory to God. My goodness. Praise the Lord. And I am pleased to be your keynote speaker for the last service of the Fierce Conference. For all, not only just for women, but for men too. How many here know that men need to regain their fierceness in God? Their positioning in God. And ladies, you do too to regain and claim how God has miraculously made you and made you into somebody special. I don't agree with a certain uh, a ministry that's gone even on social media and gone on television that uh, John, John MacArthur's ministry, I don't normally minister, uh, mention anybody because I have some of his books, but I highly disagree with him. For the fact that he said, talking about Beth Moore, saying that women should not be in the pulpit and that they need to go back home. Ladies, don't go back home. <laughs> Preach the gospel. I don't know when, I've never understood why someone would think that the gospel preaching is only for men when there are women who are lost and men who are lost. I've always realized that the word of God, uh, it, it transcends any gender of man, a male or female. The word of God changes the lives of everybody. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. Proclaim the gospel. Proclaim the word of God. Be fierce. Be fierce in the world. I'm not talking about going out and acting silly like the world does and scream and holler and hold up signs and, and all this stuff making a big deal. But no, no, I'm not talking about a demonstration out on the streets that with a gang of people and people shouting and carrying on. I'm talking about a demonstration in your life, a demonstration within you, that the power is within you and those who, who are around you at the workplace, at the market, at home especially, they will begin to be uh, uh, touched and begin to be transformed because you're fierce in God. I, I mean, there's just so much. I, I tell you what, that fears could just go on and on and on as a subject to preach and to talk about. But this morning, I'm just going to use for a, a key verse of Scripture, a text, one verse of Scripture. Doesn't mean, you know, a lot of times people think it's one verse and it's just a real quick sermon that's over. No, no. This is a preacher up here, okay? And, and something about the Word of God, the Word of God connects verse to verse and place to place and so I'm starting out with one and I think we're going to go with a little bit more but right now would you do this with me would you raise your hand toward the front and just begin to pray that God would open your heart and God would open my heart and begin to use me the power of the Holy Spirit that his word be proclaimed with anointing and unction of the Spirit Lord in Jesus name Speak to each and every one of us here this morning, God. Every man, every woman, every student that is here, Lord, everyone, Lord. Right now, Lord, we receive what you have for us, and we will take this word and, and begin to shape it and put it into our life and place it in our life where it belongs. In the name of Jesus Christ, and the people of God said... Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. I appreciate uh, all that's went on uh, Friday and Saturday, all the great ministry, the great word, the great presentation, the great hosting, the great everything that, that's gone on. And I just want to thank you ladies for representing Rodney Pike Church of God and gentlemen for representing Rodney Pike Church of God. Because I know the ladies would say we couldn't do this conference without the men. And so, and so the men would say we would wouldn't have this conference if it wasn't for the women. 
But it's uh, but it, you God greatly used you, and I appreciate you so very much. And there were people, ladies from all different churches that were here. That no doubt this morning, I pray that that their service this morning, where at their home church, it's going to be affected. It'll be affected. There'll be you know some uh, some effect taking place of the power of God, the anointing that we've received this weekend. Proverbs twenty-eight and one. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Bible. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Now, uh, can you read that out loud with me? You know, you know, it's really funny. It used to be preachers would get up, we'd open your Bible, and then everybody would read in unison of their Bibles because everybody used the King James. But now, boy, if you do that, it just sits all over the place. Nobody understands it and because all the great translations out there. I say great translation. And so just read it off the screen there with me in unison. When I count the three, read it out loud and soak it in. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Let's count the three. One, two, three. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Thank you, Lord, for your great and mighty word. You know, lions symbolize so much. They symbolize bravery and strength, courage, and even protection. I thought it was interesting, found in 2 Chronicles 9 and 17 and 1 Kings 10 and 18 on record in Scripture of the description of Solomon's throne. Solomon's throne was widely admired by other nations and other kings. They desired to have a throne like Solomon's throne. Now I read somewhere in the Hebrew uh, background and history they begin to describe that the throne was actually mechanical and that every time Solomon would go move to take steps that the step itself would lift him up to the next step and the next step and the next step up to finally to his seat. But at Solomon's throne not only was it spectacular with gold and with jewels and, and ornamentation. But what was so interesting about Solomon's throne was that there were six steps that led to the throne. And each step had a set of lions on each side of the step. Then he'd walk up the step and go up the steps. And then next to his throne, as he sat down next to his arm piece there on e either side, there were lions. And so therefore, with that in mind, it was like lions were symbolic of his kingdom of his reign. Lions are symbolic of bravery and authority and strength and courage. Let lions be a symbol of your life of bravery and courage. Even God himself shows himself in the book of Revelation though Jesus being presented and John the revelator was saying you know the book had seals and no one could unseal unseal the book but then there was the lamb that of God that was slain before the Lord and there the weak and frail lame was there but then he declares and says that the lion the angel says the lion of the tribe of Judah was able to break open the seals. God wants us to be bold and brave. God wants us to be fierce. Now the ungodly, they are afraid in life. How many here knows how it is when you used to be in sin? Raise your hand. 
You were afraid you came in in the evening times and laid down and couldn't stand the fact that you were a little worried that the light, the things you did that night, if you went to sleep and you died in your sleep, you knew you were lost. You were afraid of things because of afraid of life and afraid of what, what the future holds and afraid of uh, maybe other people in your life. Afraid You weren't confident there was a brokenness there. Now, sometimes we can, we can act a part. Anybody, anybody ever act a part a little bit and act like you know it all, you're confident, but deep down inside you're, you were scared to death because of the lack of confidence that you had in your life. But when we came to Jesus Christ, there was a confidence that rose up within us. There was a bravery that began to rise up in us because we realized no longer do we live on our own, but Christ lives in us. The lion, the tribe of Judah, lives within us with great strength and power, courage and bravery. Praise the Lord. And so the lions are symbolic of being bold as a lion, being fierce like a lion. Now there's, you know, what they represent, they represent that fierceness. Now, I always try to be very current to a certain degree, but, you know, I'm trying, okay? I'm really trying. I don't want to be trendy. I just want to be current, you know? Because believe me, I'm far from being trendy, and I'm a little bit behind on current, but I'm trying, okay? So you just pray for me, and those of you 20 and 30-year-olds, just kind of pray for me, and, and, and uh, just pray that God will enlighten me. But the thing is, is that I looked up the word fierce in the urban dictionary, so what do you mean, pastor? I live out in the rural area, what's the matter about, or listen, honey, since the internet, we all are looking like we're kind of a little bit of urban. You know what I'm saying? And it didn't hurt us one bit to try and finally catch up a little bit with style. You know, no, no longer looking like we looked uh, 30, 40 years ago. Now we kind of know what people look like today. And we kind of, you know, kind of keep up. So it's, it's kind of been a good thing. Not a bad thing, but a good thing. But in the Urban Dictionary for fears, here's the definition. Fierce, the combination of a positive mental spirit, bold words, and an unapologetic actions that are used collectively. Wow. In other words, there's a positive mental spirit and some bold words coming out without any apology for your actions that's being fierce. Let me tell you, when you're dealing with the things of this world and with darkness and with the enemy, you need to be fierce and you have to be fierce. Amen. In other words, uh, you be positive while the world is negative, And then you be bold about who God is and who you are in the kingdom. And then, honey, don't apologize one bit. You look at the devil and say, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I resist you. Get behind me and don't apologize for it. That's how some people act in their Christian life. They, they got to apologize for everything. Got to be passive. That's more like Jesus. No, I see Jesus Christ is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And when he roars the whole universe, here's the roar of his authority. 
and his glory. Can I get somebody say yeah? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Hallelujah. And every one of us today before we leave, I hope we leave this place with a roar. Too long living like a passive Christian. Pushover, Milton, milk toast, wimpy sort of guy. That day is over. We're living in a world of darkness in a world that declares venom against God and the word of God. We can't be passive. We can't be apologetic. We've got to be filled with power. A power that, and a force that is baptized in love, but moving forward with fire and making a noise that is a roar. That's, that's us. That's us. That's us. For a Christian to let his or her light shine in the darkness of this world, they have to be fierce. They have to have positive mental spirit, bold words, and unapologetic actions. Let me say this to you, saints of God. Live the life before the world. Listen, believe me, the way this world is, if you just live a holy life for Jesus Christ, you're going to be fierce. You're going to be effective. You're going to make a difference. Let me tell you, with the fierceness of God in his presence, you can walk in any environment and know that God changes that environment because not of your presence, but his presence. That's working through you. Hallelujah. And if you roar, it's not because you're a lion. It's because the one within you is a lion. And he declares with power and might. I saw on on the internet uh, from uh, Bethel Church a little sermon by Danny, Danny Silk of Bethel Church. And he said it had this equation. And on it had the word fierce, then equal, untamed, plus brave. That's fierce. Being untamed, oh, let me tell you. Do you feel like with the pressure of the world, the world's trying to domesticate, domesticate God's people? Yeah, like, a, like talking about the cage. Put us in a cage and, and, and pet us and say, nice little kitty, nice kitty. Good little kitty, you just be there, be quiet. Oh, you're a Christian, that's okay. Just don't, don't make any noise. Don't do it. You just stay right here. You be a nice little kitty. But you decide. Hey, something's got, something's breaking loose this morning. There's a lion within me who is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's going to roar against all darkness, all forces of evil, all things that counteract against the knowledge of God. Hallelujah. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous, isn't it, with a lion? You know, if you could just picture in your mind, you know, the greatest lion in my mind pictures is Aslan. From the Chronicles of Narnia. I love those movies. I love them. You can find spiritual truth in there. You really can. The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe of Chronicles of Narnia of Aslan. But just picture Aslan as huge lion with the, the mane. And just walking. You see the outside of the terrain of Narnia, the woods of Narnia. And this... This lion begins to approach you. You've never seen the lion before. 
begins to approach you, coming closer, and you hear a growl, and his eyes are open, and he looks at you, and then all of a sudden, meow. <laughs> How does the world picture you? When you're ready to roar, they're going to hear meow. I want you to know if you accept things that are contrary to the word of God, you're going to purr instead of roar. You, can, you may look like a part. You can even wear the witness wear and say, I'm a lion or even wear the t-shirt says fierce with a lion on it. But if you're living like the world and acting like the world, accepting the things that are ungodly, and you know that you're taking things in your body you're not supposed to take into, that you're doing things that's going to change the senses, whether you drink it or you take a pill with it, or if you're saying words you're not supposed to, you're gossiping, you're lying, you're cussing, you're acting as the world, all you are is a big fat lion that goes, meow. Somebody know what I'm talking about? The devil, if he can't take your salvation, he'll be happy with walking away, rendering you harmless. You don't have an effect in the world. You can't spread the gospel. You can't change. You can't be a life changer or a difference maker. You can't represent the kingdom of God. He doesn't care. You just go around and meow. That's what happens in the church service sometimes too. You know that? When there should be a shout and a roar of praise. We got folks dragging in instead of marching in. Saints dragging in. And they come in and they're totally defeated by the world. And when it's time to sing a shout and with a shout and with a roar, we're raising our hands like this and meow. Oftentimes we don't even raise our hands. We just go meow. Hey, listen, I'm going to run with this for a little bit, okay? So just, but God has made us mighty and powerful. The ungodly run even when nobody's chasing them. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. There's the key, righteous. Now listen, when we, righteousness is not a man-made perfection. When it becomes man-made perfection, then it becomes legalism. And it's far from the perfection God is looking for or the righteousness that he's seeking. But when you and I live a life allowing he, him to reign in us, then therefore the life we live in Christ is righteousness because we're righteous because he is righteous. We roar because he roars. We can conquer because he has conquered. Am I getting too loud? Deal, deal with it. Amen. That's all I'm you know, I have tried to do little nice, friendly, good looking. I mean, the guy from that was taking the pictures of uh, our website took a picture of me. I want to tell myself, I look mean. I told Lee, I said, man, he's going to come back, take a picture. I'm gonna, and when he comes, I'm just going to go, ah. You know, when I preach for a while, at least when he flashes his bulb and he takes his picture and he's done taking pics, then I'll change my face. 
Why? Because my countenance has got to change the boldness. I'm telling you, up here I'm fighting a warfare. But the warfare is over. The battles may be going on. But the war is over because Jesus Christ is victorious. You believe that your war has been won? Hallelujah. For parents that want to have a godly home, training your children into godliness, you have to be fierce. You have to be fierce. It's not because your kids are bad, but there are forces that want your children. Crowding their images everywhere they go, what they see, trying to invade their minds and their life. There's a need for parents to be fierce with a love, fierce against the enemy and compassion and loving toward their children. And you know what the kids see? They see a roaring lion when dad rises up and prays for them and lays hands on them. They see a lion that's roaring of fierceness and power and authority. Live the life before your family. Be fierce in this world that seems to be anti-God. Be fierce in your faith and believing in him. Yes. Hallelujah. I like, I love David in the scriptures. I just, I just love him. I think uh, Steve Stewart's going to start Wednesday night a teaching on David. But, but I just happen to, hey, you talk about fierce, I like David. You know? I love David in the scriptures. You know, he's a real guy. He had a heart after God but was human, and I, I can relate to that. In his young days, he was so fierce that in God that he brought a rock to a sword fight. A big sword fight, if you know what I'm talking about. He stood there in that valley area, and the Goliath stood at a distance from him, laughing at him, mocking at him. And he... He said, did you bring a boy to go and come against me? How ridiculous. He mocked him, laughed, and cursed. David stood there, though he was a young boy, and though all he had was the stones and, and, and a, a sling. The Bible says that we need to have, listen, we need to have that fierce faith, and we need to, do the things as David did because David loved God in the heart after God and when he stood before the giant he declared before him he said you come against me with sword and spear spear and sword but I come against you in the name of the Lord God almighty of the host of the armies of Israel and the Bible says he charged Goliath he charged him Goliath thought he was going to hear a meow. But what he got was the loudest roar that he'd ever heard when David released that rock and that rock hit him in between his eyes and brought down that mighty giant. We need to have that fierceness of God. In other words, David at his greatest moment was his worst moment. 
You and I, our greatest moment is our worst moment because it's at that time God can begin to work through us and he will begin to show things as a, a lesson, an illustration to us of what God can do in our life. You may be going through your worst moment, but you need to declare and make it your declaration. I may be in my worst moment, but really I'm in my greatest moment right now. When David was in the press, he turned toward the storm. Many times we think we're going to be victorious if we run from something and avoid something. Boy, avoidance will get in your way. Avoidance will defeat you. You can't avoid everything. It's some things you have to go face to face with. You have to face your storm. If the storm is caused by you, then face yourself and say, I was stupid. But I'm going to change. I'm a big lion and purr like a kitty cat. But now I'm going to roar that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that means changing. And you can change. You can change. How many times we go to God in prayer and say, God, please fix this. And really what we need to say, God, please fix this mess that I created. Hey, give him a full sentence. Be honest. He knows all about it. And when we're honest with ourselves, then God, through that honesty, righteousness will rise up in us. And God will begin to give us a fierceness to be able to deal with our storm and our situation. Philippians 2, 9 and 10 says, Therefore God has highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, those, things, those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. When David ran against Goliath, he used the name of the Lord. He knew where his power and his might and his authority and his fierceness came from from the name of the Lord you can be the best Christian in the world you stand against the devil if you don't use the name of Jesus he will mow you over he will defeat you but the moment you use the name of Jesus then he's got to flee and he's defeated the apostles knew of the fierceness of the name of Jesus Peter and John were going to a time of prayer to the temple and went there to pray, but there was a lame man at the gate called Beautiful. And there in Acts 3, 4 through 8, they fixed their eyes on him. He fixed his eyes on John and Peter. This man looked at him thinking that maybe he might get some help. That's what the world is looking for. The world is searching for some help. The true help they need is not money. That's why I was delayed coming in here. Someone come here wanting money and needing money. Kind of put on the spot here. I wanted to say, listen, here's a card. Call back later. But the need was there, and we'll pray for her that she was truthful. But the fact is this. Is, listen, people, we are compassionate, but we've got to, to own up and be fierce also to righteousness and truth. 
I'm not going to go in that direction because you've talked to people, you even have relatives that you won't even give them anything because you know where it's going. So there's a responsibility there. But the fact is, is that they look for something. The world's looking for something from the church. And what they need is supernatural. They have natural needs, but you and I know their greatest need is supernatural. We may tend to some natural needs, but the truth is their need is supernatural. And if we're not supernatural, if we're not roaring like we're supposed to be and walking in righteousness and being fierce as a lion of the tribe of Judah, then they're going to come up short because if we feed them, they still have a lost heart that needs to be changed. They still need transformation in their heart and their life before they'll do any better. But here, Peter and John going to the temple to pray ran into the lame man at the gate called Beautiful and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. And he gave him attention expecting to receive something. And Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, I give unto you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. They knew the value of the name. They knew the value of the name of Jesus Christ that gives us authority. But let me tell you this. This may be some hard stuff, but grab a hold of this. If you're living an unholy life, the name of Jesus for you should only be repentance. Because if you try to use his name and authority, you're out of line. And nothing's going to happen. But if you accept him as your Lord and Savior, and you follow after him when the enemy comes against you, you can use the name of Jesus and be victorious. That's the problem many times church, the church world has today. Nobody wants to give the responsibility. They want all the icing, but none of the cake. They want everything that's sweet and gorgeous, but don't realize you don't have nothing unless something's on the inside. If we're going to lead, leading comes from the inside. It starts from the inside, then to the outside. If we're going to have authority, it starts from the inside and works on the outside. Not the, it's, not, it's not reverse. David, later on, when the Philistines heard, when he was anointed king over Israel, they all went up to search out David. They were going to test him out, see if he can do anything, if he could lead a nation, if he could succeed. And now when the Philistines had come and made a raid in the valley of Rephaim, David required, inquired of God, shall I go up against the Philistines and you hand them over to me? The Lord said to him, go up and I will hand them over to you. So Israel came up to Baal-perazim and David defeated the Philistines there. Then David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand. Did you, did you catch that? By my hand. There's something we do in our battles and what we face. We can't just expect God to do something. He expects us to do something. Now, I believe this, this is a teaching thought right here. How many believe that? 
that he expects us to do something too. Not only him, but we in turn will follow through with what we're supposed to do. And David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand like the breakthrough of waters. Therefore they called the place Belperazim. And Belperazim means the possessor of breaches or breakthrough. Do you see what happens? God's given us the ability to get through with a fierceness to break through to break through a fierce person is the one who is used in a breakthrough the one who sees that there's a need for a breakthrough is the one that has to lead the way if you see that there's a need for a breakthrough God may be telling you lead the way with a fierceness and authority let me tell you when you lead the way, it enables other people to follow behind you. There's a saying that the Israeli army, when they faced their battles, there was no word in their language that would declare like we do in America, as a leader would say, charge. They would say, the generals would say, follow me. You are called to be the one of the breakthrough. You are called to be the one to make breakthrough in your house, in your family, at your workplace, in everything that touches your life. God has called you to declare and say to everyone else, follow me because God has given me a fierceness to roar through any situation and to have victory. You're the answer for your family. You're the answer for the breakthrough. God will use you because he will use you, your hand for what you've done to make a difference. Hallelujah. Stop praying for somebody else to break through into your situation. You pray, God, let me be the breakthrough person. Let me be fierce to walk holy and to be the example and others will follow me. Glory to God. Glory to God. A stronghold, forts or castles were put up in countries and lands that armies would come in. Those castles or strongholds were made for intimidation purposes, to show strength. And what the enemy doesn't know he may set up strongholds in people's lives and he thinks he's showing his intimidation and strength. But through God, what the enemy doesn't know is that all they really are are illustrative sermons for God to use those strongholds. For the word of God declares, in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 5, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For the pulling down of strongholds, casting down, down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Hallelujah. It takes a fierce faith to stand in the world that we live in. It takes a fierce faith faith to tear down strongholds and to make a difference it takes a fierce faith and God has called you to be fierce a fierce faith 
to raise your children in a godly home. It takes a fierce faith to go and lay hands on someone and pray that God will heal them. It takes a fierce faith to go to the workplace when people are standing around the water fountain and it becomes the gossiping place. It takes a fierce faith either to walk away or to say and begin to interrupt and say, you know, I believe that person is a good person and we shouldn't be talking about that. That takes a fierce faith. It takes a fierce faith to a, for a student to take their Bible to school and to put it in a locker and keep it there and pull it out and read it during study hall. It takes a fierce faith for you to go to the workplace and make up your mind. You're not going to cuss. You're not going to act like the rest of the crew, but you're just going to share the love of Jesus Christ. And you're going to shine a light in a dark place. It takes a fierce faith wow. to live in the world that we live in. It takes a fierce faith. And he's given us the ability through Christ. Huh? The wicked run in fear, but the righteous as bold as a lion. Because of the Lord, because of him. I want to do something here. I was so impressed at the conference with something, and this is what I'd like for you to do. Just stand up right now. To say this morning, every one of us are not going, none of us are going through anything. Life itself is going through something. Hmm? Yeah. yeah. Life brings stuff, brings complications, brings burden, brings difficulty. But I want you to leave this place this morning not saying meow as a kitten, but roaring as a lion. Your faith be built up in the Lord Jesus Christ because he's allowed us to be fierce in our faith and our walk in Christ. Would you do something for me? And I'm going to ask you to do this. If you would, would you come up front around this front area here? The worship team can come up.